Well, it's good to be with you, Willow. It is exciting to be able to share with you on this last Sunday of our current series, This Is The Way. We're wrapping things up. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. So those that have your Bibles or those that are online, if you want to grab uh, your Bible, feel free to join and we will have the scriptures on the screen. But before we get into that, today we're going to be talking about love. It's a topic that I enjoy talking about. It's frankly a topic that I think is confusing at times in our culture. What does it mean to actually love something or to be a person who is a person who loves? Maybe you are here and, and there are things that you can think of immediately that you love. You know, you, you love to play sports. You, you love to go camping. You, you love when it's fall and a crispness in the air and you love to be by the fire and roast marshmallows. Maybe, maybe you're a person who even loves the Green Bay Packers. God loves you too. Some of the rest of us are still working through it, but I just want you to know there are a lot of things that people love, right? I'm not, uh, as a communicator, I, I'm not remiss. I, I, there are many things that I love. I, I love a, a nice cold glass or bottle of kiwi strawberry Snapple. I don't know, I just, the, the, the random fact that's on the top that just helps me get through my day. I just love that. I, I love the occasional bag of peanut M&Ms. Anybody else with me? Thank you, yes. Clearly what Jesus would do if he was here. Um, but there's also something that I enjoy. Um, my family, we love to get away um, each summer for vacation and our getaway, you know, our Kitty Bunkport, Maine, if you will, is we go to the beach uh, in North Carolina. Every year we go to the beach and, and just work on my tan and, and just enjoy, enjoy being together. But one of the things that's interesting to me about love is there are things that I love, but there are things that other people love that I don't really love. In fact, I think sometimes maybe a little odd. And, and I'm realizing about myself, I don't have a problem loving people who are lovable. I don't have problems loving people that like things that I like, but it's just interesting when God calls me to love people who love kale. I, I mean, I, you know, people have given me tips even after the first service of how I could, you know, prepare it. And uh, yeah, but kale, why kale? This time of year, uh, we are all about candy and, and Halloween, many people. And, and, and there's a candy that, well, there's a lot of contention in the, in the fellowship. And maybe you're watching us online. You're going to get angry and throw something at the screen. Just keep loving me. Keep praying for me. But candy corn, I mean, is that really a candy? I mean, it's right up there with air peanuts for me. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe you find that there are people in your own home who love things that you don't love. And I know you're supposed to love them, right? We're supposed to lean in and love them, but some people even love cats. And I, you know, <laughs> I know the, the, the memos are coming, they're coming right now. Um, but it is so challenging in our world to deal with this topic at times of love. See, our culture has made love a God. And, and in our text today, John is going to give us some enlightenment about not only what love is, but also give us 
some great insight of how we can be a people who love more. So let me set up the text. In chapter four, verse one, John says something that I think is very fascinating. He begins by encouraging us as Christians, yes, we are to love, but let's not get it twisted. We're not to be naive. He was warning the people about false teaching. In particular, there was um, teachers that were going around teaching Gnosticism. This was people who were claiming a unique brand of knowledge of God and, and, and a unique uh, knowledge of how to make it to heaven. And he was saying, not everything that you hear is spiritual. Or should I say it this way? Not everything that you hear is holy. And so he was encouraging them, don't check your minds at the door, just as I say to you, don't check your minds at the door when you come to church, but have your mind ready to receive and to absorb and listen and check the word of God. Test it, John was encouraging them to do. And there's three quick takeaways that I want to share with you that I got out of my study this week. And I pray that at the end of this time that we've had together, not just those that know Jesus Christ, but I know that every week there are people who are viewing us online as well as in this place. Maybe you came with someone and you're like, Ed, I really, I'm not a Christian. I want to just say thank you so much for coming to Willow Creek. Can y'all just join me in welcoming all of those that are here. I really do. Thank you so much for being here with us. And I hope that what I have to share will be an encouragement to you. So here's the first takeaway. Love is how we know God. Love is how we know God. Run with me to verse seven and eight. We'll pick up the action there. Listen to what John says. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Notice the tenderness in how John is addressing the brothers and sisters. Dear friends, there's this earnestness that he is leaning in. Let us love. Let us allow ourselves to love. Let this be something that permeates who we are and what we're doing. But he makes a claim that is incredible, that love comes from God. God did not create love. God is love. It is his nature. It is his design that he absolutely is a person who loves and because of that, something unique happened for those of you who call yourself Christ followers when you became Christians. You were imparted the spirit of God and it's the spirit of God that allows you to be able to love like God loves. You're not special and I'm not special. We, we absolutely struggle to love. I'm gonna talk about that in a moment, but maybe you're here and your story is you've struggled with love, particularly in settings like this. And I know that, that we're supposed to be loving, but all I've experienced in places of worship are people who are phony and fake and I, I don't experience love. I walk in the door and I don't actually feel what you're talking about. And I know that love is not a feeling, but you gotta understand I've gone through some things. 
Or maybe you're here and you are a Christ follower, but you've experienced pain in your life. There's a lot of things that you have wrestled and grappled with. And you said, Ed, if I'm just going to be honest, I absolutely check out when people talk about a loving father because I didn't have one. I don't even know what that means. It just seems like a fairy tale. And if that's you, I want to say I'm deeply sorry for what you've had to experience in your life. I want you to know that God does care. And I want you to know that scripture has a lot to say about how we should love and who he is. And I want to thank you for leaning in, even listening at this point in time, because I think there are a lot of other people just like you. I think a lot of people, as I interact with people online and people direct message me, they have questions about this thing called the love of God. I came across a quote this last week, and frankly, anything that comes from Ted Lasso, I know it must be of the Lord. And so I, I, I just came across this Instagram post from Ted Lasso Inspiration. And this is what it says. It said, love people for who they are instead of who they aren't. Love people for who they are instead of who they aren't. Well, Ed, um, um, that's not taking into account all the details. Well, he didn't ask you to take in the account of all the details. He said to love others as we have been loved. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, does not love and does not know God because God is love. And when we don't experience love, I have one element of hope, and it's this. When we don't experience love, I know that we know what it is because we've experienced unconditional love before. We all have had those moments where a friend did something out of the ordinary and blessed us. We all have had that experience where someone has gone above and beyond and it was inexcusable. You just could not imagine how did this happen? How did they do this? Because they had the love of God because the reality is this. For me and for you, we don't have the ability to love the way that those two verses just shared. Can I get some honest people in the house that just, you know, within your own flesh, you don't have the ability to love the way that God says that we should love through this passage? Yes, absolutely. We can't do it. And yet we try. We try to mold God into our own image. And that becomes a problem. Because when we love the way that we wanna love, when we face and we go through life and we use our own desires, listen to the three things that I wrote down that happens to me. God becomes a reflection of our desires. Not of his essence, it becomes a reflection of my own desires. The second thing is God becomes a reflection of our wants not our needs. God, I want this. I want you to bless this. And I'm praying that you would bless this because I know it's your plan for my life because I told you. I know that doesn't happen here at Will Creek, but other places that might happen. And the third thing is God becomes a facilitator of our vision, of our mission. I want to encourage you and challenge you to do something that Paul said. We're to check 
the way that we think because the way that we think is different in the kingdom of God. This isn't Disney World where you say, follow your heart. What terrible advice and counsel is that? Follow your heart. The Bible lets us know that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Ed. Um, Maybe what I should do is put myself first because if I put myself first, all the other things will come. Well, no, Jesus actually said the first shall be and the last shall be. Okay, now I messed up. I, I, I wanted to love myself in a way that would be honoring, but I'm supposed to actually submit myself. to. What is it and how should we think? Romans 12, 2 says that we shouldn't be conformed to this world. We should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then and only then will we be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and his perfect will. There's so many images, my friends, of of God that we have, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we see God as a a punitive referee. He's just ready to throw the flag the minute we make a mistake and sin. There's other people that I talk to who don't know Jesus as their savior and they see God as a detached investor. You know, he invented the world, he, he made this thing, but then he, he just checked out. He's out of touch with what I'm experiencing. But maybe you're here and you experience God as a, that benevolent grandparent. Gives a lot of gifts, but then leaves. Loves deeply and then pulls back. I, I don't know, but can I push back firmly and carefully on the perceptions we have of God? I believe that God has been too small in our eyes. And the image that God has of himself in scripture is in no way an absent God. It's a personal God. Max Lucado says it this way, God created us in his image and we've returned the favor. God's He's created us in his image, but we've returned the favor and we're trying to create him in our image. God desires to have a relationship with us, my friends. He never changes. His nature never changes. He's always there. He's always available for you. The question is, if I asked the five people who were closest to you how to describe you, would any of them say, she's loving? He's very loving. Because it's a characteristic of who we are in Christ. And here's the thing. How you come to view God will affect the way that you relate to God. And the way you relate to God is directly to the next point. How you receive him will determine how you respond to him. How you receive God is how determines how you will respond to God. So the question that we have before us, 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love and whoever does not love does not know God. I'm wrestling with that statement and have been all week. I didn't say it, John said it. 
If you don't love, you do not know God because God himself is love. And it leads us to the second point. The second takeaway that we have today is love is how we see God. Love is how we see God. Go to verse nine and listen to what the scriptures say. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Friends, it was God's idea. He's the one that created love. He's the one that sent his son to love you. When we were late to the party, we were late to our own salvation. God himself decided to show his love and care for us. It's because of that love, it's because of that, that we, our friends, we can say that this is love, that God gave the most valuable commodity that he had himself to us. And he was sacrificed so that we could have the opportunity to love him back. Sometimes I wonder if we actually understand that loving each other in the body of Christ and communing together and serving one another, whether we're volunteering, serving, praying, worshiping together, do we really value what this actually is? And what would happen if we gave it our all? What would happen if we leaned in in this way? Well, I was working on a sermon and um, Thursday, I was finishing up and I needed to go um, make a visit to um, another church in our community that all of you have been to before, uh, the admissions office. Yes, the admissions office where the glory of God is very difficult to experience. Uh, but I had to go to the admissions office and get my car checked out. And I was going to the admissions office and I pulled up and I already knew that God was in the place. I pulled up and nobody was in front. So I went right in. I was excited. I'm just going to get this done. I got to get back home. And I meet Jennifer. Jennifer was amazing. See, Jennifer was asking me for my uh, paperwork because I had failed the admissions uh, test uh, a couple weeks before. So I had to go and take care of some things and then come back to the admissions office. But I forgot the papers, y'all. I forgot the papers. And so I, I didn't know this at the time. So I said, let me get out of the car and check in the bag. Maybe I can find the papers. And Jennifer said, sure. I got out of the car. I took three steps and God is my witness. This is what she said next. What do you do for a living? Oh. I don't know if I should answer this because I'm trying to get out of the admissions office quickly. So I said, um, sometimes I say I'm a motivational speaker. Um, that's that, and you know, don't judge me. Sometimes I say that and then I tell them, I tell people about Jesus. But this time I said, I am a pastor at Willow Creek Community Church. And then she asked me this. She said, Ed, my mom died two and a half years ago, and I'm struggling. I know we're supposed to be doing the admissions, but I wonder if you could help me because I feel like God 
is trying to get my attention that I need to love my uncle, but I'm struggling to love my uncle. Do you think there's anything you could share about that? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I am preaching on this this week. Thank you, Lord. Object lesson. Here it is. And for the next five minutes, I had a chance to be able to talk with Jennifer about the love of God, how she could love her uncle, and how God was getting her attention. And this was a divine appointment. Isn't God good? I don't want to visit that church anytime soon, but it was a great visit. It was a great visit. But one of the things that I think that I have been learning about love is love is how we actually see God. And time and time again, 1 John is reminding us of that. And even John's gospel in chapter 14, verse 9, says anyone that has seen, Jesus saying this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. See, when we see someone else loving well, we have seen the Father. Well, Ed, how does that work itself out in our lives? Well, when I see God and people sitting in circles rather than rows and rooted, sharing their stories, I see God. When I see families raking the leaves of their neighbors because they, they can't, because they're senior adults and they can't get out, I, I, see, I see God. When I see families and communities circling around people who have been abused and mistreated and emotionally um, cast aside by people who were supposed to love them, I, I, see, I see God. When I see foster parents caring and taking in children who they may end up adopting, I see God. When I see people surrounding people in our church and praying for them and walking with them, I see God. I see love. What about you? This is the opportunity that we have before us is that we as a people have the opportunity to reflect the nature of God right here, right now. And it leads us to our third point. I know that I said that love is how we know God and God himself um, reveals himself. We see God through his love. But the third thing I want to share with you is this. Love is how we follow God. Love is how we follow God. Look at verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Since God so loved us, none of us deserved God's love. None of us are qualified to receive the love that God has given to us. None of us have the ability to say, I will not love her because she is unlovable. Why? Because you are unlovable. And God decided to love you. So who are you to try to withhold something that God himself has already given? And the scriptures are very clear. It doesn't say God so loved us, so if we'd like to, love one another. It says we ought to. It's a moral imperative. It's a commandment. Verse 12 goes on, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made perfect in us. My friends, we were designed to love. 
We were designed because of the impartation of the Spirit of God in our lives. We were designed to actually love. The question is, what's holding you back? Who is it that God is placing in your mind right now where you're like, Ed, do not ask me to love that person. Do not ask me to love that person. You don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand where I've been. Jesus says it this way in John 13, 34 through 35. A new command, my friends, that I've given you is to love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have great theology and you remember lots of verses. <laughs> oh, that's not what he said? My bad. Um, this is how they'll know that you are my disciples if you go to Willow Creek Community Church. That's not what it is? Let me try one more time. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if, if you love one another. Here it is, if you love the unlovely, if you have affection for those who are ignored and rejected, if you love those who are vulgar and dishonest, if you love those people who stabbed you in the back and watched you bleed and walk around the office, if you love that person who broke your heart, destroyed your trust, and you forgave them, I didn't say those who are abusing you and staying in the abuse. That is not love. I'm saying when God has called you to love the person who is on the other side of your pain, that is when you are being a disciple. See, when you don't love out of your desires, but you love out of your design, God can do the unthinkable. Cal Thomas puts it this way, love talked about is easily ignored, but love demonstrated is irresistible. Love that's demonstrated is absolutely irresistible, which leads us to our truth for today. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. Take this home with you and may this be your rock. Don't act out of your desire, act out of your design. Don't act out of your desires, act out of your design, that you are designed to love because you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and we are to love as he has loved us. Maybe you're here today, and you are truthful, and you say, Ed, I can't speak on that love. I don't, I don't know God as my Savior. Already today, people have crossed from death to life by saying yes to him, and I'm so excited. In a few moments, I wanna give you the opportunity that are here and those that are online that maybe you don't know Jesus Christ. I want you to know how God has seen what it means to follow this through. I want you to see what your heavenly father has done. John 3.16 is more than a scripture that's up during the football game and the goalposts. It's a scripture that's deep with meaning, and it's the essence of what we're talking about today. That God so loved 
the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you're here and you're like, Ed, I've been here before. I've visited, but I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Before I share the last point, I, I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes to him. For those that have said yes to Jesus, I want you to just be praying in your seats even now. I want you to close your eyes and I want to read to you a short passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. This is to my brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus in this moment that he's calling you home. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. I wanna ask you to look up at me real quick. If you're here, and you've struggled with the weight of sin in your life, feeling that you're not good enough, feeling that the guilt of sin, the stain of being separated from God is something that um, you can't get over. Just by the show of applause and hands, how many of you know that Jesus Christ will forgive your sins if you ask? I want to pray. And if you're here and you would like to say yes to Jesus Christ, I want to ask you to do something, just a declaration of love. Just raise your hand right where you are. You're online, you're driving, please keep your hands on the wheel. But if you're here, thank you, yeah. If you are here and you're like, I, I just want to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray. There's nothing special in these words, but the words make them yours. Dear Jesus, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and, and frankly, I'm sorry for the ways in which that I have hurt you, but I know that you have never stopped loving me. I want to follow you and make you my Savior and my Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, the angels in heaven are rejoicing because of you making that decision today. So grateful. And I don't know what your next step might be, but I want you to know that we're going to be down front afterwards. We'd love to give you a Bible and just a little reading plan to be able to take your next steps with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here and you are already a Christian, but you have next steps of whether it's baptism or joining a group, we would love to connect with you at our next steps on desk. I wanna share one last thing as we go today.
it, I would be remiss if we had this wonderful time together and we didn't talk about how or what we could do to actually change the world, to be people of the way, to show that this is the way. And so I wanna tell you real quick a story that happened last week. Pastor Deb DeSilva is our compassion and justice uh, pastor at the North Shore campus. We have the privilege to host Exodus International and the Refugee um, Walk Run. And I love one of the things that I love about Deb is her heart to see others. And one of the things that I think we can do right now as a church is that we can celebrate the accomplishments of the people who are around you. Just celebrate others and trump what other people are doing by loving them and caring for them and letting them know that Jesus Christ is able to do above and beyond everything that we could ask or think. And as she was loving the community and our police officers and the fire department and all those that came out, I was just mesmerized by the love of Jesus Christ. Willow, this is our moment. Willow, this is our opportunity as we close this series that we don't close the intent that we are people of the way who show people that this is the way. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the ways that we were late to our own salvation and you were there with open arms. God, may you be our strength as we go from this place, but not your presence, to be people who love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Love you, Willow Creek. Have a great week.